the final frontier. <laughs> These are the voyages of the Moon Rocket Moon Rocket. Okay. They just I can't okay. They just called it Moon Rocket. It doesn't have a name. I literally can't get it's it. It's a moon this. it's Moon Rocket. I mean if it's the first one, you know. If it's the only one, why not? <laughs> they just called it what it is. It's just Hi, I'm Sarah. Um, I'm here. Uh, I'm Janos. I just the sun is like really I have a window at my house where the where it like looks right where the sun is setting. Oh. Like and nice. that's where my um that's where my desk is. So like at approximately 23 minutes after 3, uh I always have to like pull it pull the curtain a little bit. So you just just so you're not too dramatically lit for the podcast. So that they don't like look directly into the sun. <laughs> uh, I'm Janos. I don't know if I said my name. How do you? How do you not know our names after fifty? After fourteen episodes of this podcast? Yeah, God, it's it's kind of embarrassing that you keep asking. Actually, it's. I think out of out of all podcasts that like are out there, we are probably some of the more like easy to pick apart voices yeah yeah amongst co-hosts yeah if only like you know one of the McElroys had been like european the other one had been irish and then you know you could one of them can stay american that would have solved their problems that would have solved a little bit of their problems i, I think clint McElroy should have like traveled and fucked around the world more yeah his first mistake was being born in america <laughs> <laughs> um speaking of traveling around the world uh-huh. Great um, segue. Thank you. Thank you. They didn't do that. They actually traveled out of it. Um Yeah. Hey, we're we're exploring the moon this week. We are explorers on the moon. What are we? Some kind of explorers on the moon. They say it like three times in the book. Yeah, and every time I point and I hoot and holler because it's good. <laughs> yeah, I'm doing the pointing in real life. You don't see it, but imagine mm. me doing it. Yeah, you're pointing at the sun saying my enemy. Yeah. <laughs> Defeated by a simple curtain. Yeah. Uh, unlike what, what you might think, the sun is, isn't is actually like going around the earth, but it's us going around the sun. So, mm-hmm. owned. Mm-hmm. Owned. Owned. Um, this one was really good. I lost my it fucking is. mind. This one was good. On like every single page. Like, I had such a good time. <laughs> I've been saying this last time that I think this is remembered so, this, this two part is remembered so fondly purely because of the second part. Yeah, and, uh, it's yeah. got... Stardust, Stardust Crusaders disease. <laughs> if you think about it, Tintin, Haddock, and Snowy are the original Stardust Crusaders. They are doing some Stardust. Cru- they they are doing what Stardust Crusaders should have done, which yeah. is going into space. Yeah, yeah, and like at the end, I thought it was really funny how at the end of the book, like you know, the, the all the people, the people that fucking die, they go into space, and it, yeah. it just it, the dog dies. Yeah, yeah, it's just like just, just um okay, okay no. To be very distracted from my own already a tangent, this is the first book in which, like, Snowy comes to any kind of harm. Like, Snowy getting his little leg broken is the worst thing that has ever happened to a Tinted protagonist in any Tinted book. Yeah, there's, like, a panel of Snowy falling down and then he's, like, completely limp and you're, like... I, what? This, it was so dark. Oh, anyway, I wanted to go back to my original joke, which I thought it was very brave of how to put like a panel at the end of the book with just Wolf floating in space, and it just says, eventually, Wolf stopped thinking. Um, <laughs> I've now finished making JoJo references, and we can go back to <laughs> the book. <laughs> that was so funny. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of dark stuff in this one. We'll get to it. Um, I'm trying to think if there's any initial... I will update the listeners that since the last episode, uh, I have watched... Like six episodes of Star Trek, the original did, series. Did you start watching Star Trek because you were in a spacey mood because of this books? 
I mean, not because of these books, but because I've seen you post about it, uh, and then it came up in the last episode, and then I was like, I have been, like, mm. wanting to watch a Star Trek, and I have, like, I think the mistake I have made previous, and by previously I mean, like, 10 years ago, <laughs> is that I started, I tried to start watching The Next Generation, uh, and I just, like, didn't vibe with the pilot i heard the pilot is like also worse in that Mm. series than the episodes are gonna be and now i'm back to the original series and i think that's a good call like i think that's i think i'm i'm just the best at like watching media from the beginning instead Mm. of like series that are beloved for different reasons like i i will eventually get to tng but i think i i think it's good that i have the background with kirk and the gang because it turns out like tos at least at the beginning is like just like fun shenanigans with like a very limited budget yeah it's so fun i i love tos like it's just it's so fun and goofy and then like also really good when it's really good i mean so far i'm really enjoying that like out of six episodes like (laughs) two of them are like invisible mind control things because that's very easy to do on a yeah. limited budget and then another two of them are like there's an imposter among us where like Ooh, among th- us. there's a shape-shifting person who plays uh, who is like kirk or who is like assumes the other crew members because you don't need extra actors for that yeah and then there was a there was a really good one i think my favorite of them was the one where there was invisible parasites that transmitted through the water because like the planet altered the water substance or whatever and Mm -hmm. that made like hidden uh the the hidden emotions come out of everyone so like you get the whole crew acting (laughs) wacky is that the one where sulu gets a sword yeah yes yeah sulu gets a sword and half naked Uh, it's so fucking good spock experiences emotion (laughs) oh Oh god. Uh, and then there's like another guy who just becomes Irish. <laughs> this whole time there's been something hidden inside me. It's my Irishness. <laughs> just like Heartspell. Just like Heartspell. Um, sorry, Dark Spell. Watching yeah, like cuz I also started rewatching Star Trek cuz I was in yeah. a busy mood because of this and like watching it again for the first time like I get like I watched it like 5 or 6 years ago. And like coming back to it, I've now realized why there's so many like Star Trek parodies and shit. Because I look at that and I'm like, I could make this like in my house. Yeah. Like, with my the with the current cameras and technology I have, like literally I could personally make this show. Um Yeah. I just really like how how like episodic it is and how much like all of the episode like all of the stories are self contained and it's really just like, you know, you can really like miss an episode and you don't yeah. like have to you just don't have to worry about like paying too much attention yeah yeah (laughs) where there's enough to it that it's still like it's just really committed to being entertaining i think like more than like doing things that like current television shows do in like shit like good writing or (laughs) acting or stuff you know that's in the background and it's just committed to keep you entertained yeah because it's like when there's good writing, there's, like, good writing. But when there isn't good writing, it's still just really entertaining. It's still good. Because, yeah. like, it does, like, the funny camera shakes and dramatic zooms. And I'm like, oh, hell yes, hell yes, hell yes. Yeah, I love when I love when it's very clearly the actors, like, leaning to the side. <laughs> it's so good. Um, hey, um, this isn't a Star Trek podcast. No. I'm sorry to say. We will update. I, I will update the listeners if I watch more. But, mm-hmm. 
that was oh the the last thing i want to talk about regards to mm. in regards to star trek is the is the mads women episode where there there's like this guy who has best style and is also the worst guy named mud i'm obsessed is, with him that's not the episode titled i mud is it no i think i mud is the second episode where he comes okay back. yeah that's another one okay i'm thinking yeah. oh yeah because he comes back and it's fucking lit yeah mud's women is the one where it's like he gives he gives these women medicine that makes them look pretty but it turns out they actually just have to believe in themselves and then they turn pretty which is very weird uh just a guy um uh tintin 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 uh, is there any like background? going there to the moon one little piece of background that i want to talk about with this one yes which is um so yeah he's running hershey's running science fiction stuff and he takes a lot of advice from his friend whose name is uh bernard uh Hevelman, and- so this sounds like uh this sounds like a uh Flemish, Flemish next uh, last name. Like Bernard is maybe French, says Belgian French, but his last name is like probably Huvelmans or something like yeah. that. Yeah, <laughs> Um. So so yeah, Hershey has this friend who like wrote a book about space and what it would be like to go in space. So Hershey's taking a lot of advice from this guy, um, to do with stuff like you know when Haddock's whiskey turns into a ball orbit things, blah 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 blah, um. But I like I so I clicked on the Wikipedia page for this guy Bernard Revelmont, and the first scientist says Bernard Revelmont was a Belgian French scientist, explorer, researcher, blah 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 blah, best known along with Scottish American biologist Ivan T. Sanderson as a founding figure in the pseudoscience <laughs> and subculture of cryptozoology. This so, is so good. It basically so this you know Tintin book was in like 1951, and then just like. Later on, throughout the rest of the 50s and early 60s, this guy just was fucking inventing Bigfoot and shit. Like, yep. really... I, I wonder <laughs> if... I wonder if a cryptid story will come back in Tintin, if it will show up in a couple of books. Hmm, I'm looking at the list of Tintin titles. I'm thinking <laughs> about this. Um, excited to see if he comes up again in that case. Um, yeah. But just, yeah, just wanted to shout out Hershey's scientific advisor who fucking invented cryptozoology. Um, it's just very funny. Like, it's there's a quote in here where it's like, um, <laughs> as he continued his research, he saw the need to, quote, give a name to the totally new discipline in zoology my research implied. That is how I coined the word cryptozoology in the science of hidden animals. Yeah. He just came up with the word for it. Yeah. Yeah, there's some stuff about how uh, Revelman and like someone else like originally had written like a script for a comic and like given it to Hergé, and Hergé was like, mm, "I'm not really vibing with this. I'm going to rewrite it for myself." Um, mm-hmm. But like, there's some stuff about how like they came up with some of the original like pl- premises and plot points in this book, which is kind of interesting. Yep. Um, yeah, you want to get into it? Let's go. Cool. Hey. So when last we left our heroes, they had passed out on a rocket. They were they were dead. Oh no, Tintin's over now. Haha, that's not true. They wake up in the rocket and holy fuck, we're in space. This is incredible. Look, we're in we're in space. It's uh four people and a dog. Yeah, just four uh, people. What could go wrong? Yeah, I really like how um, Snowy is like the first person to wake up and like talk to yeah. the radio guys. Um, I think that's really cool. 
It's very good. Like because because the last one had like the really dramatic uh, cliffhanger, and it's basically resolved immediately. But it's yeah. you know it's still tense enough. Like it's a good start. Uh, and yeah, I I just like the reaction of the people on the crew to be like, oh, it's the dog. The dog is answering. Yeah, Snowy coming. Uh, Snowy coming through. Snowy coming um, for the rescue. Very gently waking up Tintin. Yeah. Um, so Snowy wakes up the gang. Just, you know, the other four people. Just the four people who are on the ship. Yeah. Ha-ha. Ha-ha. Let me just look at the cover of the... Yeah, I mean, even if I look at the cover of the book, it's just Tintin, Heather, and Snowy, so... Um, hey, psych! We've got some fucking stowaways. This, like, really surprised me. I was not expecting this. <laughs> I I remembered this. I remembered the specific part when the uh, Thompsons are on the moon and are, like, doing their little dance. That's like mm, mm. one of the things from 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 my initial readings of Tintin that like really stuck with me. Yeah, yeah. Again, like I get, I there is genuinely a possibility that I, that I might just never have read these because I don't know how I would have forgotten yeah. that because I definitely like didn't really remember it. Hadn't like, but how could I forget like iconic image of like the Thompsons and their little stinks skipping across the moon? Yeah. It's like the best thing I've ever seen. Um, but yeah, like having thought about it, I don't know why. Like, if I had thought about it for like one second, obviously Hershey's not going to write an entire Tintin book that doesn't feature the Thompsons. So obviously they've st- they've stowed away. She's not gonna um, gonna miss out on the possibility of having the Thompsons in space. God, what are you stupid? <laughs> I mean, kind of. You did do the the, the yeah. stuff, but let's not think about that. Um, like, is this on page two? By the way, yeah, page two ends with the vent opening. And Tintin's saying, golly, look over there. And if we keep in mind how the uh, release schedule worked, you had to wait like a week to find out who is climbing through this vent. Yeah. So yeah, the Thompsons are here, which is a problem because like they don't have, an- they only have oxygen for like four people and a dog. And now there's Oops. six people, six entire people on a ship. Oof, that's going to be a problem. The Thompsons are here. <laughs> because so stupid. they thought the rocket launch is going to be at one thirty four in the afternoon instead of instead of AM. Yeah. So they like wake up and they're like, Oh, what's up? Why are you all here in the rocket? We were just deciding to inspect it and then had a little nap. Uh but we haven't started yet, right? Um and then they're all they're both having a big laugh about uh, about calculus saying my dudes, we are in space. Yeah, they're like, oh, you're so funny. Which, I mean, like, Haddock did the same thing on the last page. Yeah. Like, no one can quite believe they're on space, which is, it's very, like, sweet, uh, I guess. And it's like, yeah, they they go, they gotta go to the control room and stuff, and there's this, like, one panel of, like, Haddock and Calculus and Wolf just, like, looking down at the Earth, and, like, it really it makes me feel some things. It's very, yeah. I mean, that's that's just always gonna be, uh breathtaking the idea of like yeah looking down at the earth from space and uh, like kudos to Hergé for like doing this before anyone has actually been in space yeah like when was that famous picture of the earth from space taken like it's gotta be it was fucking 60s yeah. like no one went into space until the 60s like how did he know it would look like this how did he know this would happen <laughs> i mean especially like the feeling of like being taken back by this right like that's that's such a like staple of like uh, space travel stories. Uh, yeah, but yeah, because like Tintin or no, it's Calculus says like, oh my god, if we if we die, like it is worth it to have seen yeah. the Earth from space. Um, Tintin is like, haha, yeah, haha, I don't want to die, haha. Yeah, I mean, but, and, like, and, and even like, I I really like the lead in here also that it's like 
uh, Kekel is going up saying, okay, I gotta send the autopilot. And then Haddock is like screaming at the Thompsons. And then, and then it just, it just says, come and look, come and look from like up. And Tintin and Wolf are like surprised, like, oh no, is something wrong? But there isn't anything wrong. He just wants that, wants to yeah. show them how like incredible this, this looks from, from above. He's like, oh no, have you seen this? <laughs> no, you have. Yeah. Yeah. Back to like Haddock, because Haddock is still down in the like sleeping quarters. He kicks the Thompsons out because, quote unquote, he wants to do some reading. Um, so Haddock gets his little book, The Guide to Astronomy, out, and oh, guess what's inside? Uh, pages? Paper? I don't know. Fucking wrong, idiot. <laughs> what would be inside a book except for whiskey, uh, which Haddock has brought on? Th- this is just, I love this little sequence of him drinking the whiskey and then the zero gravity stuff happening. Yeah. Like, I think this is possibly my favorite sequence in the book. It's so good. It's also iconic. This this is like one of the iconic scenes in Tintin with the like little whiskey globe. Which, again, I'm like, how did how did he know that like liquid would do that? How does he know? I'm sure there was science that say that, but... Yeah, I guess his cryptozoology friend told him. Yeah. <laughs> and he, he knows what's real. He knows what's obviously. up. I think, I think Bigfoot might be real, honestly. I'm hoping so badly. <laughs> um, to quote my flatmate, Bigfoot is real and I'm going to suck his dick. <laughs> um, okay. Not his toes. <laughs> it's the one thing he's famous for. What if he has like big feet and just like a tiny dick? We'll find out in Tintin into bed. Um, so, uh, yeah, the thing that happens is, like, because the Thompsons have gone upstairs to the control room, obviously they immediately start fucking shit up. They, like, make the rocket stop, which therefore makes gravity stop working. Um, they fuck shit up because they have to have their little, like, walking sticks everywhere. <laughs> and it's obvious. Yeah. Like, this whole book is... When the last one... When the last one was, like, about the conflict between, like... Uh, the the like world weary headache and the science guy calculus right like this one is mm-hmm. like people being in a mission into space like at people being in a situation where it's very easy to like fuck things up and to just like die in outer yeah. space like their um, life hangs in the balance mm-hmm. of technology by a thread and yet here are the top sins. and having like having like a bunch of people on here who have no self-control yeah <laughs> Oh, it like it's so fucking good. It's just such a good setup and scenario. It is. Like it I don't know. Maybe there's a good reason why like real life astronauts have like training are people yeah. who were like <laughs> extensively prepared for this because here's a, the cautionary tale of what what happens when you just accidentally have the Thompsons on the spaceship. Yeah. So yeah, uh but, but, but yeah, the Thompsons like turn off the gravity by making the ship like break. Uh, which, like, this is, again, like, in terms of, like, artificial gravity in space, I'm pretty sure this, like, isn't how it works. Um, no. But, like, it, within this book, like, it makes complete sense. Yeah, you gotta take some shortcuts. Like, I don't want, I don't want a scientific explanation of how to, uh, of how zero-g and gravity on a spaceship works. Who cares? <laughs> it's mm. like, you know, it, within the narrative, it's, uh, it's coherent enough that you, you know... Uh, how mm. uh, you know when it kicks in and when it's not when when there is gravity yeah. and when there isn't gravity in the spaceship i guess yeah 
But like, so now that like with the zero gravity, like I just think all of these panels of them in zero G are like so well done. Yeah. Like it it holds up to like the fucking like Gundam zero gravity like animated scenes, and like it has the same feeling. And it's just like no one had fucking done this. Like how did you know? This came know? out. I'm pretty sure this came out before 2001: A Space Odyssey, which is wild. Because that had, like, the iconic zero-G sequences. Because 2001 was, like, a movie originally. Yeah. And that was, like, fucking 67? Yeah, 68, I think, or something like that. Uh, And this is, like, 62 or 3. It just just looks really good. And just, like, Haddock playing with his little ball of whiskey, Snowy being like, what? Yeah. Yeah, you see them. Um, I don't know if Kubrick has read this. I don't think he has. But, like... Just seeing them float there, you can, like, kind of hear the, like, waltz from, like, 2001 playing. <laughs> like, mm. it is really, yeah. it's, he really nails the vibe, I think. Really nails the vibe. In, in, in contrast to the last book, I think it's interesting how, like, in the last one, he really struggled to do the, cause I think, I think what, what, what my explanation for, for how, why this one is so much better than the last one, was is that like in the last book he was really trying to go do like by the book sci-fi and what was expected of sci-fi was like to be in like these science labs with all of these buttons on it yeah. and and in this one he could like set himself free from it and there it's like more it becomes more like an RJ style adventure story in that that happens to take space uh, place in space um, but it's not like him trying to do sci-fi and that accidentally like him doing his own style and putting it into space accidentally creates like much better sci-fi than the last one did. Yeah, because it's like he is still doing the hard sci-fi stuff. Like he's still putting like in explanations yeah. for why there's not zero g or zero g and explanations of like how to park a rocket. Um, but like there's, it's also just a silly goofy time. Yeah, yeah. This sequence is great for that also because like while they're floating, calculus tries to explain what's going on. <laughs> Yeah, but you still have like the rhythm of like the um, uh, the space floaty panels to like keep you going while you're reading the, the pseudoscience explanations. Yeah. Um, okay. Sorry, I've been looking up the history of like zero gravity yeah. like airplanes, um, and I think they did them in like the mid fifties okay. as like training for space. But I don't think they had. I don't think at this point they had been a thing. And I don't think it was as widespread in, like, popular media. Yeah, like, no one... Who would have, like, known about this? Yeah. Also, while researching, I you can just, like, buy a ticket and go on one of these. Like, we could just go if we had a load of money. Uh, Fuck up. How little? <laughs> I think it's gotta be... I did not look at that. It's gotta be, like, money. <laughs> like, not yeah, just... Yeah, I know, fucking... Fucking and later on in this, like Haddock mentions like space tourism, and yeah. it just it made my blood want to boil. I know. I mean, we're we're really at the beginning of the of the space race here when this yeah. was written. When it was really more of a damn humanity can make it into you know space the final frontier situation, right? Yeah, it'd be like, oh, uh, wouldn't this be cool? And not something with like far-reaching, wider political yeah. implications and consequences for like the world. Yeah. Not like a weird luxury thing for like people who are already way too rich. God, ugh, it's fucking. 
Oh yeah, like side note, throughout this whole book, there's like occasionally they'll just cut to a panel of like the sickos guys like hearing what they're doing yeah. on the radio. And they like seem to be plotting, but like nothing ever comes of this. No. Like there's <gasps> theoretically like a bad guy faction, but like I don't know what they are doing. And they wanted really. to I guess it's like I guess it's just like classic space race stuff in that they wanted to like get what they like get the plans for the rocket i guess i don't know now that you mention it i don't know what the bad guy's plans is plan, yeah, plan it's is. just like there's this guy on, i don't fucking know we'll figure it out later are they trying to steal the rocket because at the end like the bad guys that are on the ship spoilers are trying to like i i guess i guess they're trying to like steal it like that's the only thing i could see being yeah. a thing we gotta talk about the yeah. about the best panel in the book though which is like the end oh my of God, the yes. Uh, zero g sequence uh they're like they're all floating but haddock is already a little bit drunk on that juice um so yeah. he's so he's like while he's freaked out at first he suddenly he starts to be like oh i'm a pretty little bird tweet tweet uh and snowy is also floating and then there's this globe of whiskey in the air yeah but they're like kind of in a different area than everyone else so like while mm-hmm. in the other area calculus is doing all the science explaining it's like yeah you gotta hold on i'm about to start driving the rocket again yeah. gravity's gonna come back everyone hold on <laughs> haddock can't hear any of this unfortunately yep and haddock is having a great time uh tim and Sl- snowy and this globe of whiskey are all floating and then there's like this great great panel sequence again from aj where it's like them floating then there's just like this uh this what's it called like this insert shot of of just the, just the hand just Tintin's hands turning off the or, or the restarting the motor which turns on the gravity again yeah and then the final panel is like headache falling down the whiskey splashing into his face snowy falling onto him and we see the the whiskey bottle still falling down <laughs> like yeah it's like seconds images taken seconds yeah. before further disaster yeah, it's like a roundabout starts playing situation. <laughs> to be continued. My favorite thing about this panel is like that Haddock's eyes are like yeah. drawn inside the splash of the whiskey ball on his face. It's so good. Yeah. Um, just iconic shit. I would like to post this uh to the Twitter, please. Absolutely, um, yes, I will. But yeah, so in sort of in keeping with most like sci-fi shit I've seen, they gotta put on their magnetic boots so that they can walk around if there's more zero gravity. Uh huh. Um, I have seen sometimes it's like Velcro boots, and I just I hate to think about that. I hate to think about the noise of everyone walking around on Velcro boots. These boots are made for walking on a spaceship. You know who isn't made for walking on a spaceship? Fucking Haddock. Because <laughs> they go to find Haddock to be like, oh, hey, bro, like put on these boots. Haddock's gone. Haddock Haddock went outside. This is why you should never drink, but especially not on a spaceship. Yeah, they say don't drink and drive. This is this this is encompassed under drive. Don't <laughs> don't drink and drive. Um but yeah, like there's like a little note that Haddock has left that's like, "Hi, fuck this, I hit this, I'm going home, I've left the rocket," <laughs> and they're all like, "What the fuck?" And they're like, they look outside the rocket, and Haddock is just there in space in a spacesuit. He decided to le- to to just step outside the spaceship, but he did at least think of putting on his spacesuit. He's like, "Fuck this." This, okay, honestly, the sequence gives me a lot of anxiety. Like, I'm already, I'm very afraid of space. Space is so fucking scary. And it, I just like seeing Haddock being 
drunk and yeah. doing things. And, like I'm like, oh my god, holy fuck! This sequence He's has my favorite calculus moment. Also, mm-hmm. <laughs> this is so funny in this book. Uh, turns out when you like solve the solution of calculus, can't hear. He's actually great. Like yeah, he has the hearing aids in all the time, and he's just he just has yeah. like this really dry sense of humor in this book somehow. I actually never noticed or thought about it, but like there is no calculus can't hear funny bits in no. this at all. He's completely like out of everyone on the spaceship, he's like the most um, the one who has it together the most, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Besides Tintin. Yeah. So like Tintin goes out and he he has like a rope to like catch. Uh, the headache, but headache starts like mm. floating towards the satellite uh Adonis and then uh and then Tintin like reports over the radio to to Calculus and uh and then Calculus said well this is only expected he's now become a satellite of Adonis and then Tintin is like there must be something we can do and Calculus said of course we must inform Earth at once and tell him Adonis has a new satellite <laughs> by the name of Headache. <laughs> it's really good and yeah, um, they do some rocket Tokyo drift and manage to go beside the yeah. satellite and catch Haddock. Um, there's some really funny panels of like Tintin just holding Haddock on like on a string, like a balloon. It's just a really, really like beautifully drawn dynamic sequence. Like just uh, yeah, all the images when they're in space is like so good. Ugh, yeah. Like I get every time I see the little rocket in space, which is very big, and like the bird in the earth, it just it, I feel feelings. Yeah. yeah, and it's such a goofy looking rocket. Like it helps that it's like red and white. Uh, this okay. This rocket looks like, and this is a little bit of a deep cut, but this looks like the rocket that I picture in my head whenever I watch the Harry Potter musical. And Draco Malfoy is like, <laughs> "I need a rocket ship to go to pig farts." Like this is the rocket I picture in my head. Like that's the kind of rocket. It's just like a silly little rocket. Whenever you watch the Harry Potter musical, like that's a thing that happens regularly. I said whenever I watched it. Okay. That makes sense. Now, yes, I may have also seen the sequel and Harry Potter senior year. Let's not think about it too much. We've all been into stuff. Okay, Harry Potter musical is good and worth watching. I will stand by that. Um, I don't know. I've never got into got into their stuff, um, <laughs> but I heard it's good. So yes, yeah, the only one I've seen um, are those ones. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, Haddock like gets back into the ship, and I know like Hershey does the thing again where he doesn't know how how alcohol works because like as soon as Haddock is back in the ship, he's like and and the like title panel text says a few minutes later Haddock is like oh my god I'm so sorry I had a drink and it's like he's sober now he just became sober yeah you're making a good point like I, I'm not sure Erge ever got drunk <laughs> yeah because there's also like they're also never hangover yeah <laughs> I don't know this is when I read this as a kid and I have not drank drank before I was like oh so that's what it's like <laughs> it's not yeah that's what drinking's like yeah um, the next sort of plot thing that happens is, uh, hey, remember the the Land of Black Gold? Yeah, because Hergé sure fucking does. Of course, does. it's our favorite book. Yeah, it's it's the number it's number one. It's number one. After this, I don't know if it still will be, but at the moment, we'll it's number one. We will see. Uh, yeah, their their hair is doing the thing. They're doing <laughs> the funny pills disease again, just just because. It's so good. Just I I vaguely remembered this, and I was so excited for it to come back. I think this. This is like the most we've seen of it. Like it didn't actually yeah. happen that much in Land of Black Gold. But like here it's just like oof. 
the main problem for like five pages. Yeah, I mean, he put it in. Uh, he put it in Land of Black Gold in like as an afterthought, like very much towards the end. He had this funny idea, and surely mm. was like, ah, damn, I need to bring this back. There's so much more stuff I can do with uh, the Thompsons, uh, the having ZZ Top hair. Um, <laughs> and yeah, in this one, it ha- it keeps happening. It really does keep. It like happens for most of the yeah. book. Like, they just have funny hair for, like, half like, of In addition of having two additional people on the spaceship who take up oxygen, they also ate them, have, like, the after effects of magic pills that makes your hair grow out. <laughs> yeah. Everything happens so much. Yeah. This, this space mission is going great. <laughs> it really is. Um, there's, like, a little bit of Snowy, like, swinging on their beards, yeah. like, from the next floor of the ship. It's so good. I love to see it. Um, and then, like, for a few pages, like, Haddock is like, I'm gonna fucking cut this hair. And it's like, as fast as he cuts, like, the hair grows faster. It's it's really good, whole sequence. Um, there's also, like, there's a bit in the middle where, like, they're gonna run into an asteroid, but then they don't, because there's autopilot, whatever. Yeah. Um, there's also, again, like, another amazing shot of, like, the rocket and the moon, and it just makes me hoot and point and holler. Yeah, they're all very good. Like, there's one that takes up, like, most of a page here. I'd love to see it. The rocket's so little. I don't know how he how he did the, like, moon drawings, because they're so detailed. Like, I don't know if he... I mean, you know, they knew what it looked like. We could look at it. Yeah, but it looks like... You could just look at the moon, you know. Almost photorealistic. They they had cameras in the fifties. No, I I mean I know I know that he had he had like reference images. I just I'm just saying they they look so much more detailed than uh than a lot of uh, the other comic art looks like. Oh um, yeah, okay. I will say that especially like later on when they get onto the surface of the moon, yeah. it is like you look at it and you're like, yeah, that's just what the moon looks yeah. like. Like how did he know? Like that's what it looks like. I think. I believe. I, I want to believe. <laughs> Bigfoot is coming. Um, yeah, where are we? Um, yeah, so the next thing that happens is they got to. They have to turn the rocket around so that they can like bay park on the moon. This is quite silly, mm-hmm. but I do like it. <laughs> There's, yeah, I mean, look, they haven't figured out how space travel works exactly, so I don't know how it works in real life. I okay, I do because like after reading this, I looked okay. up how it works in real life. Um, so, like, what they did with, like, the Apollo program and stuff is, like, you know, they have the... First of all, like, the rocket doesn't stay in one piece. Like, when the rocket goes up, like, half of the rocket is fucking fuel. Um, so, like, the rocket goes up and then they just kind of, like, ditch half of the rocket and only, like, the nose goes to the moon. Mm-hmm. And then the nose goes and, like, orbits around the moon. And then from inside the nose, there's, like, another vehicle. And then that little vehicle goes down to the moon and, like, manages to land. But, like, first there has to be, like, the the command module yeah. that is in orbit around the moon that they kind of operate in and out of. Um, okay, I see. So the whole rocket doesn't land on the moon like no, this. No, no. Um, like, only, a, like, a tiny little yeah. thingy lands on the moon. That makes sense. The other thing I found out is, is that, like, the first, like, several, like, missions to the moon by, like, the Russians as well as the Americans, I think, were, like, unmanned. Mm-hmm. And, like, they just crashed stuff on the moon. <laughs> like, they just crashed it. Because they were like, we can't figure out how to, like, land this safely, so we're just going to crash it. And that is, quote-unquote, known as a hard landing. <laughs> um, whereas what the people, what Tintin and the gang are doing here is a, quote-unquote, soft landing. Yeah. Which means you don't die when you land. Yeah. <laughs> so that's my space research for today. Yeah, because what they do here is, Kakiros does a long explanation, is like, look, 
we flew into space, nose forward. So if we just like keep flying towards the moon, we are going to crash. So that means we have to turn the rocket 180. Mm-hmm. Which I mean, this isn't actually out of line for how the little like the lunar yeah. module lands on the moon. Like, because it does do this where they go towards the moon as first, and then there's thrusters that slow you down. Yeah. It's just that the lunar landing module is a different like. A it shape. just doesn't do a full turn, right? Yeah, it's like they. I think they probably like launch it from the yeah. command module like in the right direction. Like, I don't think they turn it around in space. It's just a whole sequence of panels of just the rocket turning in space. <laughs> it's very funny. It's a really good sequence of panels. Oh, yeah. Like, it's very fun that Hershey felt the need to include like half a page of just like different angles of the rocket turning around. I mean, you know that Hershey was sitting there and he was like, "Wait a second, can't just Moon, Earth." Rocket, draw draw a direct line. They can't just like keep going there. They have to turn around. Gotta turn it right. This is like parallel parking. Yeah. See, Hergé had never like drank an alcohol, but he had parked a car, so he knows how it works. (laughs) I mean, don't (laughs) do don't do both at the same time. So you know. Yeah. Never never drink. (laughs) Fucking sorry. I'm just flashing back to yesterday when me and my flatmate drove to the supermarket, and like we were driving, and I was parking in the bay. And it was stressful because there was someone in the car in the bay next to us, like getting out. And I was like, oh my god, I can't like drive into this person. <laughs> and like we're parking, and like Christine's like, you know, Sarah, you're really good at parking. And I'm like, am I? Oh, thanks very much. And then we get out of the car, and like my car is completely at a skewed angle <laughs> in the bay. Um, anyway, so yeah, there's a bit uh, while they're turning the rocket around that they've given Haddock these boots to put it on and they're like, Haddock, you gotta put on the magnet boots like immediately. And he's like, I'm fucking K. And he's like, okay, I've got my boots on. I just have to lace them up. And then the next panel is the rocket starts turning and he's like in the exact same seated position, (laughs) but just like three feet in the air because like the gravity is gone again and he didn't lace up the boots. So like his feet are out of the boots. He's not made for this mission. It's a very sweet of calculus that he wants Haddock to... uh... He wants his roommate to come with him to space, but he's very clearly not cut out for this. I So I thought that, like, for some reason, like, there was going to be some stuff about, like, Haddock being here. Because he's, like, a captain, yeah. you know, of, like, a ship. And this is, like, a spaceship ship. And I thought that, that there was going to be some stuff in here about, like, oh, Haddock has the, the seaworthiness and he's an explorer. So he's got the skills needed. to. Nope. No, he's just here being goofy. He's got, this is like not relevant in any way. He's got no skills for this. Um, I guess he helps later with like setting up some shit. I don't know. He can carry stuff around. Yeah, he's super carrying stuff around. I mean, honestly, yeah, Calculus is probably just like, oh, I'm bringing these guys. Like, Haddock is there to carry stuff. Tintin is there to like narrate everything because yeah. he's a journalist. And I mean, Tintin is there because he's he's pretty good at like keeping calm. <laughs> Yeah. He's like, he is very. Tintin has like no. uh, He hasn't maxed out any skills, but he is like pretty good at every. (laughs) at all of them. Yeah. Yeah. The only one he has maxed out is like uh, his head being (laughs) uh, unbreakable. He's maxed out the skill of head. (laughs) Um, In preparation for meeting Bigfoot. Sorry. (laughs) Bigfoot joke there. Um. (laughs) <laughs> so yeah, there's two there's like two pages before they land on the moon where like Haddock and the Thompsons like have a big argument. Um and then they land on the moon. Yep. The uh 
fucking Thompsons are now at like at a very respectable uh, hair and mustache length. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're sort of like a sort of like an early seventies like prom yeah. band kind of look instead of a full ZZ top. Yeah. So the, okay, this really confused me when I first read this because I was like, this doesn't make any sense. This doesn't work. The science is off because like when they're landing on the rocket and they're like going backwards. But they're they're doing the same thing as they did when they were launching, where they're like lying in the beds and like the, the they're being like crushed by G forces. And I was like, I don't. This doesn't make any sense. Like they're going backwards. Like shouldn't it be the other way? I'm. This is Harja. You really fucked up on this one. <laughs> but actually, if you think about it, it does work, and like it does make sense. I'm like, okay, you did get the science right. Yeah. So shout out, shout out for yeah, that. Yeah, it's gravity in it. I fucking <laughs> they can't. Free their souls from moon's gravity. Quattrobagina. It has a. Um, it has a the ho- whole sequence where they're all taught to like lie down, um, and uh, calculus like really goes off at uh, at Thompson's because they're like, I'm not sleepy, uh, and he's he, he's telling them, <laughs> oh, yeah. you gotta lie down uh, because we're landing. Um, <laughs> really? <laughs> then there's a bit where this whole. Yeah. There was a bit where like Tintin and Snowy have like lied down and then he's like, What the what the hell are the Thompsons doing? And they like changed into pajamas because um because they're not gonna sleep in their clothes. This, My colleague and I don't like to sleep in our clothes. They still have their hats on though. <laughs> yeah. They're barefoot. Damn, Thompson's showing feet. Yep. Yeah, like this whole book treats Thompsons as like two toddlers that they've brought along by accident. <laughs> And like they are acting like two toddlers. It's they so are. good. It's very funny because it's like after there's like a whole like landing sequence and like they're nearly fucking die again. And then it's like, all right, time to explore the moon. Oh, but the Thompsons are taking a little little nap, so we'll leave them here. Yeah. Like they're like the kids that have been sent to bed, claimed not to want to go to bed, and then fallen asleep immediately. It's very good. Yeah, it's like they're told to go to sleep, and they're like, no, we're not gonna go to sleep. And then they like they're like, okay, we are going to take a nap, even though they're like not. Yeah. Another great um, moon drawing here. Yeah, the whole landing sequence is really good. Because, yeah. like, Tintin is, like, narrating everything that he's experiencing. He's like, oh my god, our ears are ringing. The crushing sensation. It's difficult to breathe. Ah, my eyes are going to pop out of their sockets. And it's, like, very dramatic, especially because it's, like, you can't see Tintin. You just see, like, the reactions of the people on ground control who are just, like, fucking losing it. So, yeah, it's good. Uh, and all, But I just... The best thing about this is just like the drawings of the surface of the moon. It's yeah, incredible. God, the one, the one where the like rocket actually lands, it's just yeah, really fucking good. And then there's like yeah, because there's there's like this this whole page where it's like radio guys flipping out on Earth. Um, yeah, Tintin's asleep. Uh, mm. uh, Snowy house one last time. Then the radio guy said it was the dog howling for the dead. They must have passed out. And then it's just like these <laughs> three big panels of, or these two big panels at the end of the page with the rocket landing. And then the next page is like an almost full page panel of the rocket on the moon's surface with like these really detailed craters. And the moon is like, or the Earth is in the corner, like as small. And the speech bubble is coming from from the Earth, saying Earth to Moon rocket. Yeah. I really like that. It's just like that the Earth is the one with the speech yeah. bubble. Like the whole fucking Earth gets a little speech bubble. It's very good. Yeah. 
Uh, and yeah, they they they're not dead. <laughs> no one would die in this book. No. <laughs> um, and yeah, like they wake up, it's time for Tintin to go and be the explorer on the moon. Yep. So I like literally, I'm wondering if Neil Armstrong read this before he personally went to the moon because, like, what Tintin says is like basically a paraphrase of the thing that Neil Armstrong says. Like. Neil Armstrong has to have read this, right? Right? He's got to. He's got to owe thousands of dollars to hair shine and copyright <laughs> infringement, right? And I mean, we know that, like, FJ made a little drawing for him uh, yeah. when he was on the moon, so, like, I don't see why he wouldn't have read this in advance. Like, Yeah. Confirmed. It's true. We I, feel like, it. I feel like if you're the first person to, like, go to the moon... And there has been this European comic that everyone... I, I bet, like, everyone is sending him this comic, right? Like, check this out. This yeah. is, is this, this is like, what you're doing, right? Haha. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, yeah, the line Tintin says is, I've walked a few steps. For the first time in the history of mankind, there is an explorer on the moon. And ex- obviously, explorer <laughs> on the moon is in all caps, because that's the title of the book. This is another amazing amazing panel because it's just like this big rocket the craters again and Tintin is just like really small he's so small like smaller than usual yeah that is already a little guy (laughs) but compared to the rocket we all are yeah yeah or compared to the moon's surface I guess space makes little guys of us all (laughs) so true but yeah again like Tintin is still like narrating everything which is like obviously he's narrating it to ground control but it's also just like an excuse for Hergé to like a put more text in and like describe more things. Yep. Yeah, it works. It works good. Um, and yeah, Tintin goes down. Haddock joins him, and like eventually, Calculus joins him. Snowage and everyone just has like a play on the surface of the moon. It's so good. Every fucking drawing, I just love to see. Yeah. Of just their vibing on the moon. Yeah. Yeah. This is just excellent stuff. Like. I don't even I don't even know what to I don't think you can leave footsteps on the moon. I'm not sure about that one. No, you can. You can? There's footsteps okay, on the moon. Great. You got that one right. Yeah, because like when they walked on the moon, there's like the footsteps and like the footsteps are still there because there's no wind on the moon. Like the moon footsteps have been there since like the sixties. Great. Literally. I, I think about that all the time. Like, they're just still fucking there. They're still fucking there. And I think about this because, like, in Gundam, when they go to the moon and, like, people live on the moon, there's, like, a park in Gundam where they, like, framed the footsteps, which are still there in Gundam. <laughs> so, listen, I just think about space and I lose my mind. Like, it's just up there. Yeah. It's fucking up there. And we're in it. It's fucked up. <laughs> it is. Just think about that. It's very... I mean, we talked about the, like, how it's, like, a millionaire hobby now, but, like, this book really really gets across the sense of we are so small contained to the vastness of the universe um in a way that a lot of like actual a lot of actual sci-fi like doesn't manage to convey it this strongly i think yeah yeah because it's like stuff like fucking star trek they're just having a silly little time and it's like star trek they're literally like going out and like meeting aliens for the first time but like it's not a big deal it's just a silly little time but like this it's such a big deal. Yeah. Yeah, and it's... And I just... Because Hergé does do all the hard sci-fi stuff. Like, there's bits where, like, you know, like, gravity on the moon is six times less than the Earth. Like, he fucking read that and was like, I'm mm-hmm. going to put this in. Like, And that's why we get all these incredible panels of, like, Haddock 
snowy and like later on the Thompsons like jumping around and there's a bit where a like a, they're walking along and like a meteorite lands behind them and they like feel it but they don't hear it and then like Tintin explains that like there's no air on the moon and therefore no sound in space like this is doing the no sound in space thing that like so much yeah. sci-fi doesn't really bother with because it really kind of kills the mood like and it helps that there's no sound in comics anyway yeah yeah like you know you don't have to like actually in 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 a vis- in a in audio visual medium it's like harder to like actually make silence effective yeah whereas here he just draws some wiggles yes. and it it works i like um, i like the way this comic does uh the idea cuz cuz we have like all these these funny characters that we're like used to and it just really works well in the way of like let's see how your favorite silly little characters will react when they're on the moon. So we have like Snowy being like in his little dog spacesuit. <laughs> so cute. Fuck. Just the pure joy of when he gets to go out onto the moon and have a run around. This is just his little visit. <laughs> Fuck. Everyone is being like, uh, and I think this is also this is also great that like everyone is having is is enjoying the like sensation of less gravity <laughs> mm. like, yeah because that's that's what i would do if i were on the moon right like just do a jump and be like what the fuck and that's what they fucking did dude yeah. like they did that yeah, on the moon they did. they did it they read the comic they read the comic they knew to do it they knew they were larping as the thompson twins yeah i i'm glad to put in research for this because <laughs> it, it works so well yeah um continuing on with the plot like as soon as so like as soon as they're all down on the moon's surface and oh only wolf is in the space rocket the ladder down to the rocket like starts going up oh no what's going on but don't worry it was all just a funny mistake haha <laughs> nothing's wrong here Push the wrong and... button accidentally fine <laughs> oh no um i would never mistrust dr wolf my favorite ongoing tintin character classic character he's, who has he, he's we're just as attached to him as we are to Haddock or calculus or the thompsons you know mm-hmm. we've been through so much in the last book with him i know by the end like it kind of got me i was like yeah. damn this guy's been through so much huh i know um the trauma of having to experience the thompson twins in a confined <laughs> space for several days um but yeah, like so, th- this is all all a mistake, and it gets resolved. The bladder goes back down, and then they sort of carry on unpacking stuff from the rocket. Um, the Thompson twins wake up. There's the, the, again like the best sequence in the book of just the Thompson twins doing the space things, because they still have they have like Einstein hair. Yeah. In this. <laughs> it just really like if they had their regular hair, I don't think it would be as effective. It's like these little green things growing out, like on the sides and a little bit on the top. Yeah. Like it's like it's so. It's like those like pot plants that are always that are uh, <laughs> common solution in New York Times crosswords, and I always forget their names. But like what? You know those those. It was like this craze in the eighties where it was like a it was like a guy. Oh, like a guy, and it's like a sock, and there's grass in it, and like yeah. it grows. It like grows out of the guy's head. That guy has a name. That has a name. I always forget what the name is. It's like... Ah, um, oh, fucking Mr. Grassy or something. Yeah. Uh. Grass toy. I'm, I'm wondering if the reason their hair is like this is because Herjai realized that they can't fit their hats inside the spacesuits. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Maybe. And Hershey was like, well, I can't just have them bald. No, can I? Yeah. Gotta, gotta have them, gotta have funny thing on their head. Yeah, what What else? What else? There's like another callback to Land of Black Gold where they do the thing where they find their own footprints and think that there's other people here. Um, yeah, basically the gang are just doing like moon exploration for a wee bit. Like, you know, they Tintin and Haddock go for a drive in like a big tank um, where Haddock experiences botherations. Oh, did we talk about how the Thompsons get confused by their own footsteps? <laughs> yes, I I mentioned the callback to Land of Black Gold. Yeah. It is, like, for, for a second, because, like, f- I don't know, like, th- there's no, like, aliens weird moon shit in this, which I kind of thought there was going to be aliens weird moon shit, but, like, again, reading the Wikipedia, it seems that Hershey was like, no magic, only science fiction. Yeah, no magic, only, only hair growing out, like, because of the magic pill that I gave them in the last yeah. book. Only science fiction. <laughs> Other than that. Um, but yeah, like, there's never anyone else, like, on the moon. No. There's no, like, aliens, which I know I'm kind of disappointed, but we'll get to aliens, I'm sure. Yeah. I think it, I don't know, I think it works because, because of the, like, wonder. Yeah, like, if there was aliens and stuff in this, it would be way too much. It, yeah. It's just so funny that... It would be like if Palestine had been in Land of Black Gold, it just would have yeah. been too much. <laughs> it's so funny that the Thompsons um, are, like, as soon as they realize how big they can jump, they're like, let's hold hands and, like, jump. Yeah, like, they have, like, a jumping competition. That's so funny. I think it's, I think it's always, it's every time, every time it's, like, really funny when the Thompsons are, like, getting competitive with each other and they're both, like, exactly as good or as bad as something as the other. Yeah. God, I so just, it's like, I'm, I jumped even farther than you, but it's like two centimeters. I've like just read the text in the panel where one of them says, hold my hand, we're going to dance a little ballet. And the other one says, a ballet? All right, if you want to. And then there's just, they hold hands and jump around. So and then they're good. having a laugh about it. And they're, they're having a laugh about it, mate. Um, so yeah, the moon adventures with the tank happen, uh, where like calculus, sorry, Haddock keeps getting bonked on the head inside the tank. Um, they end up like they find a cave in the moon and like go in and there's like stalactites and stalagmites and Tintin is like, oh my god, this means there was water on the moon. <laughs> Fucked up. Um, which I think is true. I'm pretty sure there was water. It is, yeah. I I remember I did. Sorry, I studied astronomy when I was 16 years old in uh-huh. school, and I learned that there are little caves <laughs> on the moon called Riles or some shit. I did get an A, but I can't remember it. Yeah. Um. I do remember that there was like water on the moon because that's like a fun fact that came up a bunch. Yeah. Um, yeah. The moon read this comic and was like, "Oh, I gotta have water on me." Yeah. Um. Miss Luna owes thousands of pounds in Hergé to IP infringement. Anyway, um, yeah, they have like a whole cave adventure where they lose Snowy and have to like find him again. Uh, Tintin like runs out of oxygen and like passes out. Very distressing, my poor little boy. Yeah. And then because he had like an oxygen deprivation experience, he has to stay on the rocket to recover while everybody else except for Wolf goes out on an expedition. Mm, this is going to be fine. Yeah, it's probably fine. It's just just him and Wolf. What could possibly it's happen? It's this classic character Wolf who uh, we all trust and know. Yeah, normal, normal. Um, not sus at all. No. 
Um, so yeah, he's like vibing on the rocket with Wolf, and he's just like, ah, it's so weird that like Wolf is acting very anxious these days. What's happening? He used to be um, all uh, all smiling and happy when we were at the space <laughs> center, and now. Did he? Did he really? Did I don't remember him being like that. I have no memory of this. <laughs> he was very sus in the last book too. Yeah, I mean he was mainly sus because he's the only character who is in the gang. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you can't yeah, really do Among like... Us when there's when you you know where there's one character who is very clearly the Among Us. It's yeah. Um, <laughs> accusing, goes down. accusing Erge of not doing Among Us right. Come on, Hergé, have you never played Among Us? We gotta go back in time and send Hergé a copy of Among Us. Imagine. With the, like, imagine if um, Tintin had, like, characters, like, sticking a bone out of them. I've n- I, I need, okay. Janusz, I gotta confess something very terrible to you. I've never played yeah, Among Us. Yeah, you've not played Among Us. I, I don't, I, I don't have to play it, but I have played it, like, twice. <laughs> But there's the iconic visual of when the when the imposter is sus that he will like bite your head off and then it's like there's just like one comedy bone sticking out where your uh. where your head was. So like what happens to Tintin in the next uh, sort of section of the book? Um where he goes he he's got to do his tasks so he goes mm-hmm. down to the stores to do his tasks and then hey remember when there was six guys on this rocket? <laughs> Just what if there was seven guys on the rocket? <laughs> oh my god! What if there was someone else eating up the oxygen and also smoking, which Hedrick fucking... was forbidden to do earlier. I know, like this. So this guy comes out, and apparently he's a guy from before because he says the line of like, what did he say? He says, "Aha, my young friend, you never expected that one day Colonel Jorgen would come as far as the moon for his revenge, did you? Like, who? What?" I, are we supposed to know this person? I don't remember him. I, I, I they will, I they will know that we Tintin are. Tintin will later mention that he is from King Ottokar's scepter. Yeah, it's like later in the book, Hezai has Tintin explain who this guy is. Like, I don't really think that we are supposed to actually remember him. Like, I but don't even think in, we're... Even um, in real time, like, King Ottokar's scepter was like 15 years at this point since he wrote yeah. that one. Like... Yeah, the, this guy I, last I, showed up when Haddock wasn't a thing yet. Because I'm wondering, I did see something in the book about how, in like an an another version of this story, this was the someone from uh, the Shooting Star or something. Like it might have been the like the anti-Semitism guy or something connected to that. Right. Fuck, I can't find where it is in the wiki page. I, know, um, I didn't see any any stuff about... Okay, so this was in the original sort of script that Hevelman, Mr. Bigfoot, and yeah. another guy developed and gave to Hergé. And like in that, that has the guy Fossil. Remember Funny oh, Fossil? Oh, Fossil, yeah, from... So, yeah. He wasn't the anti-Semitism yeah. guy, he was the other guy. It's not the anti-Semitism guy, it's the guy with the big forehead, actually. Yeah, he was a funny guy. <laughs> just, the guy return- where where it took it took us until, like, we said the name out loud on the podcast <laughs> where we uh, recognized the joke of, joke of Fossil. <laughs> okay, so, okay, this is very funny, I've, I found it. It says, return of him, but this time as an antagonist. <laughs> Fossil had sold the secrets of the mission in order to attain funds to buy a diamond for the actress Rita Hayworth. <laughs> In early what? 1948, Hergé produced two black and white versions of this page of this story before abandoning it. <laughs> this is so funny. Rita Hayworth. 
at least make it Castafiore, the one like famous woman in the world of the story. I bet he would have done that if he had like. I don't think he would have put like a real human actress in it. Yeah, no, it definitely would have been Castafiore. Um, that's really, okay. So that's the version of this that he didn't write. Instead, I guess he just put this guy in because of Sildivia. I don't fucking yeah. know. Anyway, he's here now, and he knocks out Tintin and, like, ties him He also up. just, like, looks like a generic bad guy so much. Like, yeah, like, he doesn't need to be someone, but it's just like, oh, hey. It's just so wild that he's like, uh, you you never expected that one day Colonel Jurgen would come as far as the moon for his revenge, did you? And I'm like, what revenge? <laughs> what happened? Yeah. Um... But yeah, so he knocks Tintin out and then he starts smoking so that you know he's incredibly evil because you're not allowed to smoke. You're not allowed to. This is what a bad guy would do. Poor Haddock isn't allowed to and it's his favorite thing. Yeah. Yeah, he also like throws Snowy across the rocket. No, no, like he beats up Snowy. It's very sad, very bad. He beats up Snowy and then throws him down the hole. And we just see, like, this one image of, like, Snowy's limp body falling, and then we don't get an update on that for, like, five pages. Yeah, and there's just, like, a boot in the hole having kicked. Yeah. Snowy with the fucking... Um, but yeah, so this guy, Jürgen, like, wants to just kind of leave with and leave everyone on the moon. Uh, Wolf is really, like, not happy about this. Um, but Jürgen, like, makes him do it. Mm-hmm. Um... Tintin, Tintin wakes up in the hold. He's like, oh no, I've been a Mogust. And then we sort of cut to like a tense situation going on in like the sleeping quarters where they're going to make the rocket take off. Like the rocket is taking off. Um, and like the rest of the gang have returned to the rocket just in time to see it taking off. Oh no, the rocket is leaving without us. Very scary. But then they have yeah, very scary. But then the rocket fails to launch. Like something goes wrong with it. And the uh, Jorgen, like, immediately assumes that like wolf has done something to like sabotage the rocket and he does something very stupid which is just like pull a gun and be like i'm going to shoot you dead unless you make the rocket go immediately and it's like obviously wolf did fucking nothing because he's been there the whole time um and fucking jorgen if you kill him like how are you gonna get off what the fuck are you doing Um, well he's not the smartest i think really is not the smartest um and then like tintin saves the day by like obviously having untied himself, busts in with like a wrench and holds them at gunpoint. He's like, nah, actually I did the sabotage. And oh, I see. And, are... and and at this point he calls him like Colonel Boris because apparently that was what he was called in Sodavia, but then he changed his name. I don't know. It says his full name is like Boris, Bo- Boris Jorgen. Oh, I see. Uh. Anyway, like everything's fine. They like tie up Jorgen and Wolf. The rest of the gang is here. We get we get an explanation now for like Wolf's reason for being a traitor for being sus. Yeah, which is just like I was in a lot of debt kind of thing. Yeah. Um. He was yeah he's like a scientist he was in debt and then he was asked to do espionage uh, he did it for a while but then he got out of it he got to Sildavia and he was like oh I can do my real job as extra science now and then they caught up with him so it's like classic. Yeah. tragic story i guess uh yeah it's like it's quite like detailed it's not just like i'm evil haha it's like herge is really kind of putting in the work to help you be sympathetic towards this man yeah and wolf isn't a villain he's like a victim i guess yeah it pays off he is there is a really yeah. good bit here though 
where the Thompsons are like, we've just got one question for you, Wolf. <laughs> Wait, what was with the skeleton? <laughs> Were you the skeleton? Go on. Confess. <laughs> so good. Yeah, and then how they just get mad and mad at them. Yeah, there's like another really funny bit like later when they're like they're like tying up Jorgen and like Haddock starts like yelling at him and like spitting in his face. <laughs> <laughs> and like um Jorgen is like stop sputtering in in my face. You're so wet and like Haddock gets mad about this and then he starts like yelling at Tintin also spitting in Tintin's face and like doing the same towards like Cal- like he's just going off on one and then um the, the, he's about to start like yelling at the Thompsons and there's okay there's this little panel of the Thompsons and they say oh, Calculus has one and the other Thompson is like yes I'll fetch it and then the next <laughs> panel is as Haddock leans in towards the Thompsons they have put an umbrella up to protect themselves from being spat on by Haddock it it <laughs> really so got me it, was... it really works that because they have their famous serious expression on uh, and it's just like it really makes the characters of the Thompsons work that they they're like these fundamentally very silly guys who will often just like have very serious facial expression. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just I don't know if this is a if this is too much of a big brain to take, but I I, mm-hmm. I wonder if uh, if if Haddock's portrayal of Wolf comes from like his own. Him feeling guilty that he worked for the Nazis for a while or for a Nazi-occupied newspaper. Oh, oh, is it Herja's portrayal? Yeah. Yeah. Because I feel like it's like, uh, well, you think he's the bad guy, but actually he was like forced to do that. And and Herja is like, yeah, everyone accused me of of, uh, collaborating with the Nazis, but like... uh, But actually I was forced to join the biggest newspaper in Belgium. Yeah. <laughs> it just feels like he have a lot it just feels a very like self-flagellating in a way yeah especially with like how wolf yes. ends up at the end that would make sense it's not exactly the same thing that Ajay did but i think there's definitely like a, there's like themes like there. a sort of feeling guilty for stuff that he is trying to work through here yeah like it like it's not going to be like a conscious thing that Ajay has done but like yeah. It's kind of like, oh, I wonder why you are thinking about this, Hergé. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting take. We'll never know. Can't um, ask him. Sure can't. Um, so yeah, they've got, they're going to like go home, I guess, because there's fucking some people on the rocket. Uh, but the rocket is also fucking damaged from that time that it like failed to launch. And they've got to like fix it. They've the fixing it's going to take like 100 hours and use up all their oxygen. But like they're going to do it. It's yeah. fine. Tintin has this pen where he's like, well, we're not dead yet, so let's do it. Yeah, yeah. It's very much, uh, I don't know, thought it was fun to be like, well, we are, the math says that we are doomed for certain, but let's still try. <laughs> it's like, perhaps, but anyway, let's keep going. It's better than giving up, I guess. I really like that Tintin, like, radios ground control and is like, hey, give us some music to keep up morale. <laughs> and they just, like, pipe radio claw over into the rocket like from earth that was stuff. a i like to consider that that's a nice little scenario and then b it's very funny because the music that is on the radio is like really depressing <laughs> it's like oddly oddly appropriate like it's like the grave digger is the first thing that plays yeah by schubert and then another one that they say that they play is like something that is like they danced by the light of the earth is the lyrics. 
Yeah, which I guess is changed from Dance by the Light of the Moon, but like Haddock is doing a funny like Oh yeah, it's Haddock singing, yeah. Doing a funny weird owl, weird weird <laughs> Haddock parody. <laughs> weird Alling um, <laughs> when you're about to die. <laughs> Listen, when you're about to die, sometimes there's no other choice than to start weird aling it. <laughs> if I were in a life or death situation? Um, anyway. Yeah, they repair the rocket, like, before time. They do good repairs. And, like, it's time to launch. Like, they launch the rocket. Everything seems to be doing okay. Um, but then, uh-oh, Jorgen has escaped. He's got a gun. Yeah, who could have fucked this one up? Who could have fucked... Oh, guess what? It's the Thompsons. <laughs> yeah. Because, yeah, they went to check on him and were like, oh, we're going to change the ropes to handcuffs. And presumably that was when Jorgen, like, escaped and stuff. So he comes in. He's like, uh, uh, there's not enough oxygen for everyone, so I'm just going to start killing people. Which, this is where, you know, this section of the book is where stuff gets really actually dark. Yeah. Uh, especially compared to like previous like Hergé things where like guns have had no ability to harm yeah. people and things. Gun was Tintin was shot in the head and was fine. <laughs> yeah, literally in the last book. So what happens here is that as Jürgen is holding them up, about to kill them, like Wolf is again his sort of moral dilemmas have come to a climax, and he is not going to let Jürgen like just shoot someone. So he just kind of goes at him, and there there's that classic sequence where one person has a gun, two people are struggling over it, and we cut away, and there is just a bang from the outside of the rocket. Yep. And when we cut back, um. Wolf is standing over the dead body of uh, Colonel now deceased York. We have a dead body on the spaceship, a dead human body. Yeah. Do they? Do they put it outside? I don't somewhere? know what they do with him. I feel like they just kind of put him outside. Maybe. Oh yeah, yeah. There's a panel that says, "What shall we do about Jorgen's body?" And Calculus says, "The only answer is to leave it in yeah. space." So yeah, they cars him. It's. It's dark, and this isn't as dark as it gets. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just don't... I'm just trying to remember if there has ever been, like, disposing of a dead body in Tintin before. Like, we had... We had characters... We had bad guys die. Like, we had the uh, fucking... But it was still, like, weirdly comedic, like, in the Broken Ear when they sent... When they went to hell directly, right? And they had, like... <laughs> yeah. They were, like, dragged by Little Devil. Or, like, devils. that time in, like... There was the time in Secret of the Unicorn where Haddock's like ancestor like killed someone, and then there's just like you see the dead body's like feet from off the side yeah. of the panel. But like I don't know if we've just seen a full-on like dead body on the panel because like yeah. you could just see it like he's just lying he's just there. there. Like th- it's not like there's blood or gore, but like he is just lying there, clearly like dead, like in the text. Yeah, pretty dark. So yeah, they just eat him into space. Um, this actually okay. I was like reading this and I was thinking like, are there any actual dead bodies in space? Oh, for sure. No, but like all the everyone who's like died on like a space thing has died like coming oh. back to Earth or like leaving Earth. Okay. Like it's been on either like exit or re-entry that the people have died. I think I don't think anyone has like died in space. I would need to like look this up more, but like that is wild because so much of sci-fi is that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like in. And across all fiction, the space is full of dead bodies. Yeah, it's like, oh my god, I'm, I like, I started googling, are there any dead? And it fills in dead bodies in space. <laughs> People want to know. 
I mean, it is such a haunting visual to just like imagine like a dead body floating through space. Like you look at you look up at the sky and you have no idea how many dead bodies are floating there. But in reality, it might not I think, be. Okay, Quora. The Quora result is saying that no, the only astronauts who have died in space were blah 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 blah. All of whom died during reentry. I believe Quora. Then there's a thing about space burial. What? what? Is that real? The first space burial occurred in 1992 when carried a sample of Gene Roddenberry's created remains into space. Oh, and then returned it to Earth. Okay, well, it doesn't count. <laughs> so they took Gene Roddenberry into space, but then they took him <laughs> back again so as not to contribute to space debris. That's quite sweet, actually. Um, Reptarial one. Yeah. Um, anyway, yeah, like, back to the story. Fuck, where are we? Okay, yeah. Uh, at this point, the oxygen is, like, severely depleted. They're all, like, kind of feeling dizzy because there's fucking no air. Um... And they gotta go back. Um, they're gonna like lie down to fucking conserve oxygen, which makes sense. Um, and at this point, the, everyone kind of like trusts Wolf. They're like, okay, you did a good thing by killing the bad guy, even if it was an awful thing, and you did technically do murder. But we're gonna trust you, and we're gonna leave you untied, and you're part of the crew again now. Yay! Wolf Redemption arc. You're complete. good with us now. Um, yeah, I can't wait to see him in a future installment where he's just a good guy now. Yeah, yeah, he's a good guy now. It's like in anime when they they befriend the bad guy and he becomes part of the team. Real Okuyasi type situation yeah. here. Um, however, um, as soon as everyone kind of falls asleep, Wolf starts doing really shifty stuff. Like, ooh, actually, is he going to go do more sabotage? So he just creeps out of the room. He says... Everybody is asleep. This is my chance. Chance to do what, Wolf? We'll fucking find out. Because he tiptoes out of the room. Uh, the Thompsons do absolutely nothing to stop him. And then we cut to just like some time later. Um, everyone else like wakes up. It's like, oh shit, like, where's Wolf? We're about to like land on Earth. Like, oh no, where did he go? And they search the ship and what they find is just some like cut wires is this sabotage no he left a note um the note says hey he just left yep by the time you read this i shall have left the rocket when i am gone i hope you will have enough oxygen to reach earth alive and then it's perhaps a miracle i shall escape too and apparently this was added in later because the original publication uh, didn't have it in and uh, uh, Catholic dominated Belgium <laughs> said suicide is a sin yeah like, so as it. it added in the line perhaps by some miracle I shall escape too um, one I don't see how this makes it makes it lessen because very obviously if you're just like jumping out of a spaceship there's not a miracle like unless there's aliens <laughs> yeah yeah, it's literally just like I had to, I legally had to put the line yeah. in or else the Catholics would have been at me. I'm jumping off this building from the 15th floor. Perhaps <laughs> by some miracle I will learn to fly before I arrive on the ground. Yeah. So that means that technically it's not suicide because he didn't want to kill himself. He just wanted to save everyone yeah. else by doing a thing that would almost certainly kill him. But he didn't want to kill himself. It's I think fun. it's interesting that Catholics view this as sinful suicide instead of like martyrdom, which is also like a thing in Catholicism. Like, where's the difference? Yeah, because clearly that's what Hergé was yeah. doing it in. Because like, I think like li literally in the next panel, like Haddock is like, oh, th this man is a hero, is a martyr. We love him. Yeah. Um. So um. Yeah, Wolf is fucking dead. Uh, again, 
very dark. This one kind of got me. I did not like see it coming. I thought yeah. he was still doing Amogus shit. Um, yeah, it's quite dark. Like you don't expect someone who gets a redemption arc in a Tintin comic to uh, to just like fucking off himself into space. Yeah, and and but but it's I don't know kind. It's dark for a comic that has like a children audience, but at the same time, it, it, it like divorced from that context is kind of work. I think because we have like this whole like no, tense yeah. situation of fuck. There's too many guys on here. We don't have any. Don't have enough oxygen. And what if we all die before we arrive to Earth? Like, which is also quite dark. Yeah. But like for that, like for the urgency of the story, you know. Yeah, because like Haddock is like fuck it. Like we're probably gonna die, and am I fuck going to die sober? <laughs> yeah. Um. So there's like a sequence where he gets drunk. And then there's a really good panel where um, the Thompsons like are calling him out on this. Um, and obviously he's seeing double, so he's seeing two of each Thompson, and he just goes, f- f- four to one! Oh, I give up! And like, yeah. goes to sleep. This is another bit that weirdly works for me. Like, Because in, in other cases, Heather getting drunk always like a comedic thing. But yeah. here, him being like, uh, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna dry sober is like, damn. <laughs> That's I some just, dark shit. This really, this, okay, so this entire book, like everything about this, because it is so scary and so yeah. dark, it's also the funniest one. And like this is why horror comedy is like one of the best genres. Yes. Yeah. I mean the Because it's like you're already like on the edge yeah. of like emotional d- damage and like anything that is funny just becomes so much funnier. Yeah, it just gets you more when Yeah. When you're expecting something scary and instead of instead something funny happens. Yeah. It's really good. I really like it. Yeah, and I don't um, even know if like Ezra intended to write like a horror story, but it's like just all the everything no. that like because you know in in every Tintin book there's gonna be except maybe the Cast of Your Emeralds, but in every like Tintin book there's gonna be like some stakes to it where it's like yeah. oh, fuck they could die, you could get shot by the bad guy, but you never really feel it as much as when the when the thing our heroes are confronted with is space. Yeah. Because it's like, you know, in the context of when this book was written, like, we hadn't had the, like, the space crashes, like, Apollo 13 or whatever whatever one the, the, the people died in. Like, we hadn't had, like, fucking Ridley Scott alien. Is that who did alien? Yes. Um, you know, there's, like, I feel like since this book was published like space has become way like scarier and like you know this doesn't have all that baggage so it's like kind of written to be like more fresh more like wonderment but like because i'm me and i'm afraid of space i'm reading this and i'm like oh my fucking god i mean the same way that horror and comedy like seems like a an unlikely combination that goes together like surprisingly well the same way like horror and wonderment are like just a very thin line between them, right? Yeah. Ooh, sublime. Let's fucking go. It's a fucking. It's a sublime book. It is. Fuck. Yeah. Uh, we're nearly at the end, actually. Like they're about to. Yeah, it's like f- one final like harrowing sequence, I think, because there's like possibly the most harrowing yeah. of all. Um, because uh, yeah, like they're they turn the rocket around to do the same thing. The Tobay Park in the in the the Sildavian Highlands or wherever they are um, and like there's fucking no oxygen left like even with Wolf being out of the picture out of the ship out of this world um, 
like everyone's passing out and like the last thing they have to do is turn on the autopilot and just like everyone's fucking passed out. Tintin, like, I don't know, he's the smallest, he's got the smallest lungs or some shit. Um, he's like struggling to stay conscious to turn on the autopilot. Um, he actually passes out before doing it, but then the ground control like play a big loud noise to wake him up. So he manages to turn on the autopilot, but then just like immediately passes out. And then we do the same thing we did at the end of last book, where we just cut away from the rocket and we don't know what's happening inside yeah. it. And we are down at the ground crew, like the ground crew are rushing to like meet the rocket and help everyone. The, the desperation of like Tintin climbing to 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 turn on the autopilot. And it's like between between like the individual comic panels, there's so little that changes. Like you really get how he's like struggling really hard and going really slow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and there's like especially like towards the end where it's like there's one, two, three, four, five panels until Tintin reaches like two steps yeah. to the button to turn on the autopilot. Yeah. Um so the rocket manages to land uh, we are down on the ground in Sylvia again there's like a fire ambulance like a regular fire ambulance fire engine regular ambulance like they're putting out fires they like can't open the rocket they have to like cut the <laughs> rocket open in order to get in and like this is making me thinking like is it sealed from the outside so like no oxygen can fucking like get in until they cut into it like, fucking very stressful stuff who knows um i'm not sure how the how this like how spaceship outsides work. I mean, I guess neither did Herjai. Yeah. I mean, it was supposed to be like them from inside opening it up, I assume, uh, but they're all passed out, so mm. they need to get in from the outside. So yeah, they get in and just like, everyone is just unconscious. Everyone's fucking dead in the sleeping quarters. And like, they bring them out, put oxygen on. Luckily, like, Tintin wakes up after getting oxygen. He's fine. But then we like go over to Captain Haddock, who, um... Unfortunately, there is no sign of life. Um, no. Quote, the man's heart is worn out, but like, it's not surprising because it seems that he was a great whiskey <laughs> drinker. Um, a rip Captain Haddock, he died uh, as he lived drinking whiskey. Yep. But um, the one time that this trope was, I, I like th th this trope. I kind of roll my eyes at it, but I like to see it now because, of course, Haddock, whenever he hears the word whiskey, he immediately bolts awake. Um, and everything is fine. Everyone's alive. That's the book. He's fine. There's, there's uh, just the power of hearing about whiskey bringers bringing him back. Um, yeah. Yeah. And that's it. He, speaking of whiskey, he also immediately opens up. <laughs> yeah, like they bring a whiskey to celebrate. <laughs> and... Uh... Calculus is like, I have never had whiskey, but I will drink it now. Oh my god. Celebrate coming back. He really does. He says, it's the first time in my life I have tasted this yep. beverage, but this is not the time to drink chamomile <laughs> so tea. True. Oh yeah, because Calculus does like drink chamomile yeah, tea. That's his thing. That, that just makes sense. He's a tea guy for sure. Like if I've ever seen a tea guy. Yeah. Also, the other thing I like to see about this last sort of page is Snowy with his like cast on his yeah. leg. Because like I think earlier yeah, like, we didn't they, mention that I think Snowy's fine. They just he just has a broken leg, which again worst thing to ever yeah. happen to a tinted protagonist. Um, possibly until Haddock's near death experience <laughs> here, uh, from oxygen deprivation. Yeah, but like you knew Haddock is not gonna die, but the Snowy stuff was scary. You know, Snowy's, Snowy's not, not gonna, gonna die, die either. either. Yeah. 
But like again, like because the whole book was fucking terrifying yeah. to me, I was genuinely worried there for like a second. Yeah, I mean this is yeah. Even though I know there's more books, like it got me. True. There's like some last moments last moment stinger where Haddock is like, never fuck you, I'm never going back to the moon. Uh, man's proper places on dear earth and then he like falls uh funny and it says yeah. the end great book yeah great book i i would chill to put this at number one yeah i've been thinking about it i don't know like the one thing i can say for putting it on number two is that you have to read uh, a mediocre book before it uh do you do you really i don't think on the do. other hand <laughs> genuinely i don't think you do yeah i mean it works well no. enough on its own there's just so much like easily better than secrets of the unicorn um oh yeah and we had and, like, a... again black gold there's so much else. you have to read the wiki for it to be your number one yeah <laughs> which i mean you should and you will a little black code was really fun but this is i think this is, this is this takes the edge by being like actually a landmark comic like i will I would fight for like considering this as like one of the like most important European comic books. Uh, yeah, on the time, definitely. at least out of the ones like if out of the ones we've read so far, we have to put like put like one into like a little uh, a little sealed box to like preserve if humanity shall should perish. Um, yeah like if, if if someone goes to the moon and we we're gonna put one book about the moon in a sealed yeah. box to put on the moon for someone it's gonna be this yeah and probably the aliens are gonna find it and be like yeah, it's all right <laughs> but like <laughs> they forgot about us what the fuck <laughs> yeah um, how did they do that with their beards i want that and i think again like be- because so much of the stuff is so researched and like scientifically accurate like you know even the stuff where they like bay park the rocket on the moon it's like okay well it wouldn't like work like that but like that is using the rocket to slow yourself down so you can safely land like that is that is kind of how it does work yeah. even if it's not the right shape even if it would be very very difficult to like make the rocket land in the right spot to be safe like it's still theoretically how the science works yeah and i mean and, I, like, it holds together i don't care if my space stories have accurate science or not like world or earth accurate science i guess or real life accurate science you know the the main thing that matters about sci-fi is that the science stuff like is coherent in itself uh yeah like within the book and that's yeah it, it makes sense in the story why they're doing it like that um i think but yeah this is really just like a book where like everything works like the art is amazing um yeah oh my god is it fuck it has like inventive uh action sequences with the like zero g sequence or the you know the moon sequence it has funny moments it has scary moments the character stuff is great like i think all the great uh what was i saying the character stuff is so good like all the characters get like their individual moments uh that make them stand out calculus has never worked so well as he does in this book yeah like Haddock in the tops and like even like Tintin like in this book like because Tintin is like narrating their adventures yeah. the whole time it's like this is almost like the first time it's actually made sense for Tintin to be like the boy reporter Tintin yeah like his role in the story is like as a storyteller yeah. it really works and Tintin is a proper protagonist in this one or a proper yeah. like uh, figure who, through whose eyes we can experience the story because like in the last book was like very Haddock and Calculus centric like it was about their conflict 
Uh, and in this one, it's like it feels it really feels like Tintin is the anchor around whom all these crazy characters are doing their own shenanigans. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. That's that, I think that's all we can say about this book. Uh, if people got mad at us for the last episode for saying uh, Destination Mood isn't that good, uh, you know, this one is very good. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. <sighs> let's let's uh what do we next week we have next week we have calculus affair is that the next, next one? week we have the calculus affair which i remember also being one of the high i think it's gonna be mostly hits from now on to the end yeah uh yeah i'm sure there'll be like some more racism and stuff but like just be like they're gonna yeah i mean it's bound to happen <laughs> it's inevitable dots, but a lot of the ones i was like really excited for uh, like calculus affair uh tintin in tibet uh oh. Fiora emeralds so you know yeah yeah and um speaking of so like this book here was really yes. like a first it depicts like the uh-huh. first time humanity walks mankind one great leap for um mankind walking the moon next episode we will have another a- another first absolutely just incredible first another first venture of someone into a new sphere mm. I'm so excited! Like <laughs> you're, you are not going to believe who our guest is. We are so excited to reveal this that to is, you next week. This is a really big name. Like imagine, imagine a really big get that we could get for this podcast. Like okay, like I got fucking Tim Bad mm-hmm. to go on my Naruto podcast, and like that—that's that nothing, nothing compared, compared, to compared to this get. Like oh, nothing. Imagine the wildest guest you could imagine for this podcast. Mm. No, no, go wilder. You're not thinking hard enough. You're not imagining enough. Okay, right. Well, (laughs) as for one great step for podcasting, I will take the high road. And I'll take the low. This is ground control to Major Tom. You've really made the grade. And the papers want to know whose shirt you wear. Okay.